Welcome to the podcast. We have a great and engaging guest this week with Frank Mathis. He's the author of a new book just being published called Lean Scale-Up. Frank has worked with many established companies through the years and helped them to innovate. Companies such as Philips, BP, Bosch and Telefonica. So we're talking some serious companies here. When working with these companies, Frank developed a Lean Scale-Up framework to help them innovate and it's really very interesting. Now this is the subject of a new book which has just been published and Frank has very kindly offered five free copies of this book to listeners. You can see a lot of details on the show card including about the book launch, the offer etc and it's worth having a look at. And finally Frank plays out with probably one of the best ever songs and certainly a personal favourite of mine. I think you'll really enjoy this podcast. Oh, by the way, the incidental music on this podcast was written and played by my very talented brother, John. Thanks, John. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, we'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. Welcome to the podcast, and this week I'm delighted to have a really interesting guest in Frank Mattis. And Frank, I hope my German pronunciation was a bit better there. But first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Pat. Thanks for having me here. Uh, Frank, you're a very interesting guy. You've developed what is trademarked as the Lean Scale-Up, and you've been thinking a lot about why companies can't scale. Now, both large companies and small companies, but you've gone through an analysis of this and you've worked with companies to help them scale. Is mm-hmm. Do you want to just maybe set up an overview for us as to, as to what the problem was and, and what, what made you think about this? Sure, Pat. So maybe I'll just uh, tell the story where I come from, right, and how this all came to being, right? So uh, I got interested in uh, innovation, as they call it today, some 30 years ago when I started my career. Uh, I was working for a consultant company that did project management. And it turned out that uh, 50% of these projects were what they called the new product development, right? Some 20 years ago, I was with the Boston Consulting Group. Uh, The term innovation appeared on the stage and we did other things. We implemented standard stage gate processes, portfolio management, these kind of things. 
Then some 10 years ago, I saw uh, the interest in predominantly last, large companies to um, um, look uh, for uh, outside the company uh, when, uh, for solutions. Open innovation was, was uh, uh, the, the hot stuff at that time. So this is where I set up Innovation3. That's the agency that I founded. And in the first five years, we did a lot of searching for technological solutions, predominantly in the chemical industry. Then some five years ago, that um, whole open became pretty much digital, right? So they were looking mm -hmm. for startups, uh, advanced tech that they can use for their digital transformation journey. But then some three, four years ago, I noticed that all of my clients, all of my clients were basically saying the same thing to me. Uh, for a better understanding, my client base is um, some 50% of the companies on the German prime stock index. And then some selected European or even global champions, companies like BP, uh, uh, like Bosch, like Telefonica, like Philips. Mm. Or, uh, They're pretty, uh, pretty interesting customers. Yes, cross industry. And uh, that's also what I like because I firmly believe in what Steve Jobs called it connecting the dots, right? <laughs> you see that concepts and approaches and viewpoints, uh, they tend to wander between industries, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, in software development, those agile technologies have found the way now in basically all of the industries. Mm -hmm. So what happened some three, four years ago, Pat, is um, that my customers were basically telling me, Frank, we're shifting our focus from the front end, from the very early stages of innovation to the back end. How can we make innovation pay, right? How can we create a business impact? Because Frank, look here, we're investing so much money, but the revenues are close to zero. What's right. wrong with this picture? Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is I looked around um, um, in academia, checked the web, um, engaged with the big consulting companies, Nobody at that time had that problem fully aware, let alone there was not a solution at all. So I said to 20 or so of my clients, let's stick our heads together. Let's use the wisdom of the crowd to understand that problem and develop a solution. And the solution is what you refer to as the Lean Scale-Up Framework. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, Frank. Um, and I think you put your finger on a problem there. There are many incubators and there are many, um, there's methodologies. I have my own methodology for startups, which is um, like the lean startup. But the, the, the next problem is the scaling. And it's not just the money, is it? It's, it's sort of, a, there's a lot more to it than that. Plus, I, what you, you neatly stated, or when I asked you this question before, you gave me three things that I think are important in the lean scale-up. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Uh, sh sure. Um, may maybe to understand, Pat, if, if that's fine for you, I'd like to, to uh, dive a little bit uh, deeper in the problem and then basically present the solution. Because as we innovators know, right, you should have uh, the right problem that you want to solve. Well, what we have found out in 20 industry leaders, right, BP in energy, Philips in medtech, financial services, chemical companies were in there, etc., across the board, right, is that um, large companies cannot innovate or only uh, take innovation to a certain point, because basically under one roof, you find two systems uh, designed for two totally different purposes 
that are not compatible with each other. On the one side, you have the day-to-day -day business, right? Um, uh, you uh, book the revenues, you uh, produce the widgets, you uh, let the supply chain humming. This is a fine-tuned, well-oiled engine that doesn't like any risk, which is focused on short-term quantitative results, right? And everything's fine with that. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you have those innovators, right, who try to find a new business model. And they do a lot of that um, experimenting, explorative validation stuff like the Lean Startup uh, promoted some 10 years ago. And this is also fine in their system. The problem comes when you want to take it to scale, as you quite rightly said, because getting the money for scaling up is the one thing. But how to organize the collaboration between the scale up and the core so that you can create an unfair advantage in the market, which is what the whole thing is all about, sure. and also accelerate the journey. That's the big, big issue. And actually what we have found out and coming back now to the points that you made, uh, mm -hmm. Pat, there are three capabilities that companies need to build if they want to solve that business building problem, which in essence is a scaling up problem, right? Because this is where the problem manifests. First of all, you need to have the right methodology. Uh, the Lean Startup is fine, nothing wrong with it. Lean Startup was uh, basically developed for greenfield startups, VC-backed uh, startups, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was about how to build products that people want, right? Because life is too short that for building products that nobody wants. Yeah. Uh, the Lean Startup was not designed for the corporate context, which is my focus, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about corporate startups or ventures in, uh, to which corporates invest, corporate ventures, I'd like to call it. Right? And obviously, there's a corporate context, a strategy, an organization, cannibalization, problems, right. et cetera, et cetera, you name it. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you do the validation in a corporate context? And what the Lean Scale-Up also does on the, um, if you look at the innovation journey, it incorporates the principles of the Lean Startup. Hence, I chose a name that is pretty similar, sure. but it extends it. It extends it into scaling up, including the transition, the setup for success, as I like to say, say it. So the first capability is to know the how-to, right? The methodology. Mm -hmm. The second piece of the equation is leadership. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the leadership challenge to balance running today's business and creating tomorrow's business, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, senior managers are operating and predominantly have a background in that first system, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, well-oiled um, machine that is executing ruthlessly on a proven business model. So for some senior managers, it's hard to understand uh, what innovation is really about, that it's not following the same logic as the day-to-day -day business does. Okay. And they, uh, even to a lesser degree, they understand what is expected from them to balance today's business with tomorrow's business. And the third piece is, I called it culture and collaboration. This is how you basically formally align the scale-ups work with the core ambitions, right? Because the core also has a one to three year strategy horizon, mm -hmm. how to make it on a formal level aligned. But then you also find, Pat, that at a, at a working level, 
uh, it's pretty hard for people to work together. The people coming from core, they are working in red oceans, right? Where the company battles with the usual suspects. I call them the red shirts, right? The innovators looking for the blue oceans, I'm calling the blue shirts. But what you find on on the working level that due to the background, the DNA, if you will, of these two systems, the red shirts and the blue shirts do not uh, get along. So you have to help them in very practical terms. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, the leader in digital sales channels for telecoms. Thank you for listening to our amazing innovators tell their stories. Well, that's a very diplomatic way to put it, Frank, I think. Um, but okay, just to surmise then, so the, the three uh, areas you focus on are methodology, which is probably technology, process, marketing, I guess. Um, secondly is leadership, is there leadership? Well, maybe we'll come back to all these in a second. The leadership of, for the change. And the third part is culture and cooperation. Actually, it's interesting you said cooperation, which now of, just in general, of those three, what do you find is the primary one where, where people stumble? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it easy, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, we spent significant work with these 20 companies to condense it. In <laughs> uh, you, you need to know what to do. And it turns out, it turns out, uh, that, um, for instance, here's a stat, 80% of large companies claim to use the lean startup, yet nine out of 10 of these corporate startups fail. So they do apply methodology, but this methodology that they are uh, applying is not fit, is not suitable for the corporate context. Mm-hmm. Right? And how do you basically advance uh, the innovation, which includes the tech, the product, obviously, but also the go-to-market, for instance, Uh, the growth strategy, the value proposition, how to create value, how to deliver value, et cetera. All these things, that's the how-to. I also see companies stumble a a lot in making that transition to scaling up. So just take out one example, uh, Pat. Uh, The people who take a proven, a validated, as they say, innovation concept to scale are, are, are different, do have different qualities than those blue shirts that were exploring what is possible, right? Right. It's kind of the entrepreneurs, they f- uh, find a way or they make one and they run like crazy and they run a marathon over three to five years right. <clears throat> to take such a business to scale, right? And then obviously, how do you structure scaling up? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a business um, with maybe the first customers, a couple of hundred thousands of revenues, and you want to take it to uh, scale, say a 10 or 20 million revenue business, you're talking about growth rates of 200% per year, right? This, yeah, is, yeah. this is crazy. Mm. <clears throat> but even if you have the best process, um, uh, Pat, if leadership is not balancing that, right? If, yeah. if, if, if there's no supportive environment, as I called it, it will not work. And if on a practical level, the scale-up cannot tap into those corporate resources, the corporate assets, the client base, the sales force, et cetera, there's also a big risk in here. So yeah. no, I, I <laughs> guess actually you, need all three of them. Right? Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying, Frank. So, I mean, obviously the, the classic skunk works or, you know, the uh, where there's a separate building, separate team, that's obviously got some advantages, but at some stage that, 
product or service needs to be part of the, the main company too. And obviously utilize the existing assets, as you say, maybe it's distribution, maybe it's sales or, or marketing or whatever. So there, you, there is a spectrum, I guess, between an entirely separate uh, development and working with the, the assets and the benefits of the bigger company. When you go to a customer, Frank, how do you analyze the problem? I mean, how do you, and don't tell me this is, <laughs> tell me there's no easy answer to this, but anyway, how do you do, when you walk in the door the first day and they say, Frank, we can't develop new businesses, what, how will you help us? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, for, first of all, Pat, it, uh, I find that it's not uh, all the time so clear as you nailed it, right? There's a kind of feeling of awkwardness, right? It's not working, right? We have innovation theory, and that's also a term that I hear more often and uh, getting more and more pressing uh, questions from um, shareholders if the company will be able to manage digital digital transformation, etc. That's uh, uh, what I sense more often, right? And underneath there's the problem. So in in, in many cases, Pat, I try to, um, first of all, get a sure understanding that there's a pressing problem, right, in the group of the stakeholders. And I use two techniques to do so. First is make them aware about the magnitude of the the problem, right? So what I do is I ask them, what did you do in innovation some three, five years ago? Draw up a list, right? And they typically come with 20, 30 or so uh, initiatives. Mm -hmm. Then ask, okay, how much did you invest three to five years ago into these initiatives? And they add up the millions. Mm -hmm. And then I ask them, now look at how much revenue do these initiatives that we just talked about generate today? Three to five years is a typical time to impact for, uh, say, adjacent uh, innovations, not the real radical breakthrough stuff uh, where you have digital technologies and a new business model that might even be five to 10 years. But three to five years is a space where a lot of uh, companies are looking for digitizing their their business, etc. And just to give you two indexed figures, obviously, I cannot mention the companies and and, 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 uh, the real numbers, right? But Company A, <clears throat> some three to five years ago, invested 100, got back seven. Mm-hmm. Company B invested 100, got back 1.5. Wow. So these companies are not making money. There is no return on innovation, if you will. Right? They're burning massive money. <clears throat> and yeah. obviously, they're falling short in all the transformational initiatives that they might have on the plate. And the okay. second argument is, if you look at today, to, uh, today's revenues and you add in all of the factors, uh, like um, market is growing and we will market, market share and there's a little bit M&A here, etc. If you contrast this with the five-year revenue ambition, typically you find a gap in there. Yeah. So this yeah. is the gap that innovation needs to fill. And then you so- start. So Frank, what you say is you really reflect back uh, to the company, what they've been doing in the past, which probably hasn't been very successful, um, which is nothing to be ashamed of, to be honest. I mean, if you look, as you say yourself, nine out of 10 initiatives don't play out. But, um, okay, so Frank, you, what, uh, you written a book about this? So maybe you want to talk a little bit about the book? Uh, the book is in the making, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, and like many innovation, it takes longer than expected. Sure, right? sure. But the book will come out in May. And uh, actually, it, it will be, um, if you will, the only second book that explicitly targets that question. How can corporate um, build new business from innovation? And the first one was written by myself some two years ago. Very good. So Very I good. think that's uh, basically um, taking the space in here. No, I mean, that book basically has two parts. Uh, first of all, uh, establishing a language in describing the problem and obviously introducing the framework and why these puzzle pieces, these three puzzle pieces need be, uh, to be in place to solve that problem. <clears throat> and the first book is also about the methodology <clears throat> that you use to build new business, right? Sure. Upcoming books will then uh, cover leadership and culture collaboration. Okay, and what's the name of the book? What, what it's will called it be? Lean Scale Up, right? Lean Scale Up, right? And it'll be available in May. So yes. as soon as that's available, I'll put it up on my LinkedIn as well, so that people can um, come back to you. How do people contact you, Frank? Okay, they can use my email. I suppose that we'll find that also in in the post in here, mm -hmm. right? Or check leanscaleup.com. And uh, Pat, I'm also um, um, giving away five books, right, for your listeners of the podcast. Wow. So if people just hit the link that is in that description here, wow. it takes them to a uh, sign-up form and we will um, give away five of those books. That's brilliant, Frank. Thanks very much. I'm sure the listeners will really appreciate that. Um, I'm sure it'll be more than five applications. <laughs> um, so look, Frank, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I think we probably could have gone on for an hour, but um, we try and keep this short so that people can at least get a flavor for what you do. And I, I think you're doing some very important work in an area that's probably been neglected. So yeah, I, I admire your insight. And uh, as in this podcast, the guest gets to nominate the playout song. So what have you chosen for us? Uh, I would pick uh, a day in the life from the Beatles, right? <laughs> because for two. I can't reasons. argue with this one, Frank. This is no, good. no, that's a good one <laughs> for two reasons, Pat. First of all, Rolling Stone said this is the best song that the Beatles ever made, right? And who wouldn't like the, the Beatles? And the second, it puts an, uh, an, an easiness and 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 the lightness to let's call it mundane uh, things. Yeah, often. yeah. Got like up, got out of bed, dragged the comb across my head. It's a while since I dragged the comb across my head, Frank, but it's a, such a brilliant song, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. But okay, Frank, thanks very much. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for having me, Pat. Thank you. Oh. Goodbye to you out there. Thank you.